Hi everyone, and welcome back to Radio Geonosis, where we talk about Star Wars from a certain point of view. I'm Angie, and I'm with... I'm with Jim. <laughs> Wait a minute. Was, oh yeah, I'm with me too, I guess. For okay. the second time. First one got erased, by the way. Take two. So we're doing a take two. Yay. This week, we're going to be talking about location, location, location. But before we do that, we're going to get to some hot happenings this week. So, Jim, take it away. Well, I'm going to start with Disney because, well, Disney. Um, it, there was an announcement by the Disney company that uh, the Rise of the Resistance ride at um, Disneyland and Walt Disney World um, have a confirmed opening date. Um, uh, Orlando is going to open first on December 5th which also happens to be Walt Disney's birthday because it yes, says it right here. That, that fits in perfect. And at Disneyland in Anaheim on January 17th, 2020. So it's going to open first in Walt Disney World. Right. And then second in Disneyland. Yes. Ah, you would have thought that it would have been the other way around because Galaxy's Edge opened here first and then in Florida. Well, yeah, and I imagine it has something to do with, you know, the functionality of the ride and, and you know, making sure it's safe and, you know, getting all the little details worked out and everything. It, it just may be at the, in, in this particular case that uh, that Orlando's a little bit ahead now. So so they can, they can kind of push it a little earlier. Mm. You know, that's kind of how it works, you know, and and you know, because they've got it all budgeted out and everything, you know, and it's just a matter of, you know, finalizing all the details and getting, and, and, and the big thing is making sure it's safe. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I understand that. So, so that's pretty much that for that. Also, Disney also, um, it looks like we might be getting a sit-down restaurant for Galaxy's Edge as well. I'm not sure if it's going to be in both parks, um, but I'm pretty sure uh, that it's going to be in Disneyland. I think there's a something about a hotel planned as well somewhere along the oh, line. Oh yeah, that's going to be in Florida, and that's a like it's not just a hotel, but it's like an entire experience in and of itself. It uh, it's almost like a ride in and of itself. Um, the, the 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 Disney Star Wars hotel experience is basically, you know, you book your time there to go, and you're basically in the hotel the entire time because it's it's a it's like a, a role playing experience. That's cool. Yeah, and you can you know go in there you you know and everybody's like it Galaxy's Edge everybody's in character and you have an adventure in this kind of experience. Like you go into your room you look out the window it's not like Florida it'll be space. Wow. It'll be like you're in a spaceship. So. Wow, everyone's gonna be claustrophobic. <laughs> if you are, you know you might want to you know make sure that you know you can handle that kind that's of thing true. or, or that there are you know accommodations for such thing yeah um and if you do want to visit galaxy's edge while you're doing your stay at the hotel i think there ha there's an arrangement that they make that that basically you get on what they would call a shuttle and then it takes you directly to the galaxy's edge um location kind of like what padme and anakin went on when they had to go to Naboo. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. When, when yeah, <laughs> travel as refugees. Okay. Yes, okay, but they I'll were traveling. They were traveling as like just regular folk. They weren't royalty and all you know all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, next on my list is the announcement of the Sith Trooper. Yes, I've, everybody's blown up about it. Yeah, and basically it came as a San Diego Comic Con. Uh, announcement so uh, you're gonna start seeing um, basically comic-con exclusives uh, coming out and that that's the for, for the Star Wars pavilion there um, and you're gonna have the uh, Sith Trooper which is basically a um, first order stormtrooper that's all done up in red it's a little bit like hip-hop trooper yeah just like <laughs> a, our good buddy hip-hop trooper whom I miss and I haven't seen in a while. He's in Nashville. Um, they, I think it's going to be, you said earlier, Funko Pop, and it will be in Black Series, correct? Right. A Black Series, six-inch action figure, Funko Pop. I think there's a stand-up that you can get. Uh, there's a couple other little things, too, I'm sure. Um, I'm hoping there's a three-and-three-quarter, because I will probably get one of those, because 
I collect three and three quarters pretty much exclusively, which is the original size. Yes. Um, and that'll be kind of cool. Um, as another note uh, to the Sith Trooper, it's not the first Sith Trooper we've had. At least, it's the first we've had in canon, but it's not the first we've had in Star Wars. Wow. Um, there was a red Sith Trooper in the original Knights of the Old Republic video game from 2003. Wow. And, um, and you know, they had, like, there are Sith Troopers that existed in that, you know, in that game. Uh, which of course takes place about four thousand years prior to the movie timelines. Um, uh, was you know that was their version of the stormtrooper, and they did have a red armored one that was a, like an officer or something like that. Wow, let's just pray that means that we're going to see Old Republic. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. But uh, not maybe not the maybe not the Old Republic of maybe the the books that are now considered legend right but more of a canon type of thing but well, let's you just know, pray for some revan let's pray for well some... i mean you can always you know you can you know they can pull whatever they want into right, canon because right. like you know grand admiral thrawn was pulled into canon and um coruscant was pulled into canon wow. the name coruscant okay comes from timothy zahn Right from the uh, the first uh, his first books that he wrote, which are excellent, by the way. Oh yeah, they're great. They're great. I love them. Um. Anyway, uh, for our next little news tidbit, um, the D twenty three um Disney convention is also coming up uh, which I would in love August. To go. And um. And this will be the first year Lucasfilm is going to have a full pavilion there, and two main things that they're going to be talking about. Um, they're going to have a full stormtrooper display. So every stormtrooper that has ever existed in any of the films, they're going to have a costume display for. So wow. kind of like the the history and evolution of stormtroopers, yeah. which would be kind of cool. Um, also, um, there's uh, a planned um, sneak preview or another sneak preview, if you will, um, of the Mandalorian show coming up in November. Um so I imagine it's either going to be, I I'm, I'm, I would be hoping for a full trailer. That'd be kind of cool. Or yeah. if nothing else, just another like scene, scene shots that they did, like they did at uh, Celebration. Um, there was also an interview with John Favreau, who's the, you know, he's the lead executive producer on the show. And um, he says, season one is done. It's ready to go. It's all in the can. All they got to do is, you know. Release it. Show it. And he is writing season two now. Wow. Whether it actually gets greenlit, we don't know. But I'm sure that it will. It, I'm pretty confident that we'll get at least a season two. It could, and he's already writing it. Um, Favreau's that kind of guy. He's you know he's a, he's a fan like we are, and he's been doing it for years. And a lot of the the inspiration for the 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 show as it is comes from you know just little things that he's written over the years as a fan yeah you know so he, he you know, he's been kind of like brewing this in his head for goodness knows how long i'm i'm very excited to see it oh, so definitely, excited definitely. you know one of the things that i did see in the um in some of the news is that george lucas's museum is they're working on it they've got plans they've now have sketches and everything and he's going to have his some of his star wars collection in that museum mm -hmm. which is super exciting especially if they're going to have costumes displays and all of that because i know that the costumes go they have they go on a tour mm -hmm. and they've had all of these all of these really fantastic costumes on a tour and my, my oh, yeah. daughter happened to be in washington i believe it was last year sometime when they when the costumes were touring there so i would i i really really hope that in the museum that they do have a lot of the star wars lore, a lot, lot of the star wars you know trinkets that he has in his collection now in the museum for all of us to enjoy yeah i can't wait for that museum to come open oh i'll i will be a know. regular me too <laughs> uh, I'll probably just move in. You know, if I'm not living at Galaxy's Edge at the time, the only the only negative thing you could say about the whole thing is that the museum's going to be at one end of Los Angeles, and Disneyland's at the other end of Los Angeles, basically because it's in Orange County. So it's it's going to be like an hour and a half drive between the two. Right, because I think 
it's going to be right there by U, uh, US, UCLA. No, USC. Right. It's going to be right there by USC. Um, I don't know, you know. I think it's, if it's in Orange County, it maybe they didn't have room there. I can't imagine that they did. Well, it would I have mean, been cool to have it there. Well, the thing is that this museum is not directly affiliated with Disney or right, Lucasfilm right. specifically. It's, a, it's it, you know, it's, it's a, George's personal collection. Right, and it's going to be, a, you know, it's a wider... Um, uh, look at not just not just Star Wars stuff or Indiana Jones stuff. It's going to be like film lore, and and um and and history. And it's not just film. I'm, my understanding, he's going to have uh, comic books there as well and artwork, specific artwork. Yeah. So I mean, it's a big big deal. It's going to yeah. be a big deal. Um, one last thing I probably want to bring up is that they had an interview with Daisy Ridley not too long ago. Oh wow! And they were asked, you know, just talking about various things right now she's promoting a film that she was just finished called ophelia which is a it's a shakespearean oh wow uh, film and um but you know of course they're going to ask her about star wars because you know she'll forever she, be associated with it oh yeah she's she's now you know the other luke skywalker uh, right. you know, in a sense you know um and you can embrace it or you can run from it but it's still going to be there oh yeah well, yeah however you look at it um but the, she was talking about her lightsaber that she used in the film and she says that um in episode seven and eight when they were fighting she did, her hilt was like really heavy you know it, it, it was a little difficult for her to use when she was fighting Fighting. And one of the things that they did for episode nine was that they actually like um, lightened up the hilt physically, so it was more easier for her to to, to do her um, action sequences. Wow! And the the impression that we got, or the impression I got, I should say, is that um, is that there's a a little bit more lightsaber fighting in this than we've seen already. Yeah, I had seen something today about there's going to be, in episode 9, we're going to see a really cool battle. So, you know, there's a possibility that we'll, we'll see that. Um, I, I wonder if they'll let out who made the, the saber, if it, if it was a specific company or was, there, was it a movie prop? Oh, you're talking about the movie prop itself. Her lightsaber. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean the, I mean the core of it is, you know, is a, you know, it's a classic Graflex, um, flash handle. So and you know they can be replicated, you know, with impunity these days. So I would presume that that the that the that it was still pretty much done internally by the company. Because it would be so cool. Can you imagine if you were ultra saber to be able to say. Hey, we made Daisy. Ma we made that for Daisy. Oh yeah, it would and, it would blow them up. I mean, huge. I mean, the good news about the sabers, particularly in the sequel trilogy, is that a lot of the technology that was in those sabers was inspired by fan-made sabers. You know, but particularly because um, they they were made with polycarbonate hilts. They were lit very similar to the sabers that we used. Right, and it would have to because you can't have the you can't have the lights going in through the through the um, blade because you're going to lose the. I don't know if she if hers was lit or not. Oh, they were lit, and 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 um, and I, I think they were just LED hilts, um, to do to do like a like I say a NeoPixel hilt which has the LED blades uh, the LEDs in the blade. You have a chance of breakage. Exactly. Now, and I mean, they could afford to, you know, have like twenty, you know, and so they could probably not really worry about it that much. So it's hard to say. Because my Mace Windu is something I would not fight with. Yeah. It would, it would not survive. But there are guys who make NeoPixel blades that are pretty fightable. Wow. So you know, you can go either way on those. Yeah. And um, but it's kind of a cool little thing that I learned about, you know that sort of thing yes it's you know what it's always good to have those little tidbits and it's always cool to have those those little easter eggs as we as you will you know to to be able to say hey i know this i know this you know what i mean and that's oh, yeah. what that's what's fun about discussing star wars is that there's all of these little easter egg things that oh, we can good. talk about uh, we yeah, can go you, on forever oh yeah definitely <laughs> i'm pretty sure i can try <laughs> okay so this week we're talking about location and what I mean by that is star, not movie locations as much, but locations that George chose for the stories. You uh -huh. know, d different 
planets that he chose for the stories and different places he chose for the stories that I think are super, super special. Mm-hmm. You know, like Naboo. It's a very magical, romantic place, it seems to me. It, oh, yeah. it's, it's something where we see an underwater civilization. We see a very refined kingdom, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Um, we see where, where Padme is queen of mm-hmm. this of this wonderful planet. Oh yeah. They also at the very end of Revenge of the Sith, you see her being going to this going to be buried. Mm-hmm. And so they don't really show you where she goes, but she goes to this funeral temple and it's an ornate temple which is is it has an eternal flame there and it's kind of a reminder of the souls that were lost there mm-hmm. but i don't imagine everybody that goes there i think it's mostly royalty yeah but everybody is cremated mm-hmm. they did say that everybody is cremated and they're put they're sprinkled over the the water to go over the waterfall mm-hmm. so it's really kind of a cool poignant thing it's um the the place is called the live Levi liver liver tower liver tower it looks like liver tower and into uh-huh. the Soleil River, almost like, almost French when you say it. Yeah. <laughs> so the, so the river itself is a very twink, uh, uh, it, it's tranquil, mm-hmm. it's, it's beautiful, oh, and yeah. it has the big waterfall. And um, when Padme gets married to Anakin, what does she do? She gets married in front of the water. Oh, yeah. So water seems to be playing a big part in this, on this planet. But there was a, a poet named, uh, the, the balcony, I'm sorry, is Veracuro. Veracuro. Some, some of these words are crazy. But a man named Berinko Bur, Bur, mm-hmm. was kidnapped by unknown assailants and was never seen again. And he was kidnapped at that balcony, mm. which I think is kind of cool. It's mm. kind of a cool little Easter egg, if you will. Yeah. So another planet is um, Tatooine. Yes. We know that this is a this is a planet where Anakin was born, right. but where where his son ends up, mm-hmm. where Luke ends up. But before that happens, Anakin is a pod racer. Yeah. And he actually has only we only know that he finished one. Right. He, he does race, but he doesn't finish all but one. Right, right. And this one he wins. But while he's fighting, there's a um, it, what's called a mushroom mesa. And mm. they, they say that these, these statuettes, kind of sand kind of things, they say they're aliens. Mm-hmm. And so the sand people are kind of afraid of those aliens. So mm-hmm. they, they kind of stay away from it. Even when they're shooting at the pods, they're up on a hill. They're yeah, not yeah, close yeah. by. Right, right. Because possibly because they're afraid of it. Well, yeah. Well, they're a very superstitious people, you know, and... And I would imagine that, you know, kind of like the, the the lore and the age of the Star Wars universe, you know, a lot of these um, peoples have lived for thousands and thousands of years. So their, their, you know, their history and their lore goes back for centuries. And, and it, you know, of course it changes and evolves all the time. So whatever the truth of those mushroom mesas are, they're certainly going to you know pay attention to it and um like anakin well <laughs> well when you know anakin um went and he kind of you know killed off that entire uh sand people village you know uh men women and children alike and even animals i think he even attacked their look like their dogs yeah and like yeah, guard yeah, dogs yeah, and yeah, looked like are. he went after everybody yeah and and that 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 um uh, remained in the collective consciousness of the Sam people all, you know, throughout later, you know. Um, I wonder if it was against humans themselves or the Jedi. Well, they wouldn't know Jedi as Jedi, you know, because they, they wouldn't necessarily be familiar with that, with that kind of, you know, culture and technology, uh, religion. Um, I mean, they spoke of Anakin as kind of like this blue ghost who just, you know, with his lightsaber, you know, you know, this blade of fire, he just, you know, went around and, you know, cut people to pieces, you know. Right. And, and because 
Anakin, you know, in his full power as a Jedi would not necessarily be recognizable as a normal human to them. Yeah, that's true. They would see him as, you know, you know, superhuman, you know. I mean, it's like if if Superman the character were like real real in our universe in our world today and he did the things that he did yeah he would be considered not human he would be considered you know superhuman well <laughs> even though he might look if like you, a, you know even though he looks like a dude you know it's like well dudes don't do that you know, exactly right so exactly how so. about in on Tatooine, we see Watto's junk shop. This is an important place as well. Mm -hmm. This is where a deal is made. Yeah. This is where um, Anakin worked mm -hmm. as a slave, and right. and and they find out that he's a slave. Oh yeah. Um, it's where Qui Gon comes across and finds the the one. Well, yeah, and and, and you know he felt a disturbance in the force, and there it was standing there. Exactly. I mean, it could have been, I think he might have misjudged what the, I don't know. It's hard to say if that, if he, if Anakin really is the one. Well. Because there could have been someone else. Yeah, but I mean, right now, until we see episode nine and find out what the actual conclusion of all of this is, you know, because like if we see, say, for example, Anakin Force Ghost talking to us and go yeah i was the chosen one or no i was not the chosen one it was all just you know bs or whatever um we won't know until that happens until we see it well we I have mean, to wait till november i mean the <laughs> yeah, well of course the impl and the implication is that he is you know i mean obi-wan believed it even though he wasn't really into that sort of thing he, he did end up kind of believing it and of course the the jedi order as a whole even throughout you know as we saw the development of anakin throughout the uh, his growing up and through the Clone Wars and so on, I think there was kind of a, a stigma placed upon Anakin that he was the chosen one, whether he whether even he himself believed it, you know? Yeah. You know, it's like, you're a superhuman kid, you're a superhuman kid, you're a superhuman kid. After a while, you're going to start believing it. Yeah, you know? and you that's a lot to live up to. Well, that's yeah, especially lot. when you're a child. Yeah. Right? You're a nine-year-old kid, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to change the entire future of the galaxy. And especially coming from where he's come. Oh, yeah. Come from. But this is also a place where Padme and Anakin meet. Yes. You know, and so this is a very, very important place. Also, um, while in Tatooine, on Tatooine, you run into, Mos, you go into Mos Eisley, yeah. which is, again, the spaceport is a very important place. Mm -hmm. This is where um, Anakin, I mean, I'm sorry, um, Luke and Han Solo meet, mm -hmm. which is a lifelong friendship, mm -hmm. and turning into brother-in-laws, if right. you will. Yeah. Um, it's also where uh, we find out that Obi-Wan is, in fact, a Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> because he whips that thing out, and I mean, yeah. I'm sure he hasn't, ha he hasn't had the chance to Come, let me get you a drink or something. <laughs> I don't like drinking alone. And then, of course, he cuts off the other guy's drinking hand. Well, you know, that's kind of a lie, though, because he goes to the bar with Anakin, and he tells Anakin to go get the bounty hunter while he goes to the bar for a drink. That's right. Well, you know. Well, maybe times have changed. The desert has changed him quite a bit. Well, you know, those people, <laughs> you know, those Jedi from the UK, you can't trust them. Um, <laughs> also, Coruscant. Now, we go, we're on the Coruscant. This is Old Republic. This is an important planet in the galaxy. This is where the Jedi have their temple, but not where they originated from. No. This was a Sith, pretty much a Sith planet, and then a... Right? A Sith, kind of I'm a not Sith. sure if it was a Sith, Sith planet, but there was a dark side nexus there. And that's where the temple was built, on top of it. Yes. And we had Anakin in the corner of Spook Central. Well, yeah, but pretty much. It's like, I mean, I don't know it if it... It was all seeping out, all the all the Sith. All the all dark the, side, the, yes. icky, whatever. All the clouds from, uh, you know, he was getting... It was coming in through the vent. Yeah. <laughs> it's not charcoal. Exactly. Is that brimstone? I think it was kind of an influencer. Uh, yeah. Well, in maybe not maybe. just Anakin... But possibly other Jedi. Well, you know, that's the thing, too, you know, because it's like, how could the Council and Yoda, who are like some of the greatest Jedi who ever existed, right, not 
like basically detect Palpatine standing right in front of them going, look, I'm evil, but you can't tell, you know, probably because there was a great gigantic dark side nexus underneath them kind of masking Palpatine's presence, perhaps. I wouldn't be terribly surprised if that had a, you know, kind of an effect. Also, just a dampening effect on their, on them as a whole, you know, kind of uh, preventing them from operating at their peak. Right. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. How about Camino? You know, Camino is a planet, again, a very important planet that he chose to pick out because in some of the movies, we don't see, we don't see what's going on with, um, with, with uh, like in A New Hope, we, we only go to Tatooine, but we really it, don't it, go anywhere else. No, not really. I mean, you go to Alderaan, but it ain't there. And then you go to Yavin 4 in the last 20 minutes. And exactly. And then you're done. You know? But we really don't emphasize these things. Right, right, right. But in, the, in movies 1, 2, and 3, we are emphasizing, you know, these specific planets. Because it's giving you a layout of the history. Yeah, and it's also given you an idea of, of the size of the galaxy. I mean, the 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 thing about the original trilogy, in some degrees, is it's very intimate because it feels smaller. And it feels smaller for two reasons. A, because there's less locations involved in, in both senses. Plus, it there's not a huge backlog of, of lore and information that we knew. Right. It was just the information given to us in the films and you're done. You know, that was it. Unless you read the comics and you read, you know, the, the tie-in novels that existed, which was only like seven. Yeah. And at that time there wasn't all this lore that we have, you know, 40 years later, but I thought it was kind of cool. Camino was a cool planet. The clones are made there. Mm -hmm. um, and, the seabird is my favorite. The AWOL. Yes, the seabird. Almost like a manta ray. Yep. I love that. A flying manta ray. All right. Geonosis is another planet that I found really interesting because, one, that's where a big battle is, is pursued. We see, we don't see the Jedi fighting the Sith, but we do see the Jedi in a big battle. Right. And they're in a big battle with more of droid kind of... Well, you had the battle droid army plus right. some uh, local Geonos and uh, Geonosian the, soldiers. The bug guys. Yeah. <laughs> the bug guys. But this is the first time we see clones out and fighting. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they have now been disp dispatched right. to go and fight. So I thought that was kind of a cool planet. Also Mustafar. Mustafar was kind of like a you know this is the end this is the end but actually in rogue one it's more it's more entwined in the story well yeah you have you know it, it ends up becoming um an operation place for darth vader to hang out right a constant reminder of what has happened i i think for me a constant reminder to to maybe keep him focused on the dark side well, yeah. is where he builds it where he lost the battle he loses padme he loses his his best friend well he loses his identity and he, there and he loses just about every limb he owns <laughs> yeah all the rest of them anyway all the rest of them yes he's got the he's got the mustafaris out there fishing for his bones right um yeah what i like about that you know is that like you said, it's the reminder, and of course, if you read the Star Wars comics, uh, particularly the Darth Vader comic, the second series of 25 issues, it actually goes into the building of this uh, Fortress of Solitude, as I like to call it, and it really goes into the details about um, uh, why he did it and what he did while he was there, not just hanging out and, and meditating but actually trying to do stuff um also uh it features in the vader immortal game the vr game that exists um if you have a i can't remember the name of that vr uh setup that you can get it's fairly recent it just came out not too long ago and 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 also uh the the vr experience that was down in los angeles also yes. took place on mustafar as well wow you know i think it you know, like we talked about before, that he was a tinkerer. Yep. So I think he need he felt that this cost that his what he had to wear was uncomfortable. So he wanted it to be more comfortable for him to walk around in. And we know that he possibly on the Death Star or on his own ship built that little thing. That the meditation chamber. Yes, but and and I think it was it was not only just medication. 
meditation, but it was more of a of a place where he could do some more healing, almost like a back to tank. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, uh, the beauty is that he could remove the helmet and breathe normally still, um, which was, I think, a big deal, you know, because I'm sure he, you know, would want to take it off from time to time, if nothing else, to scratch his head. But, um, but I mean, you you do get a glimpse of that in Empire, so. Uh, I would think that to be able to do that is kind of a good thing, you know, because you can't just wear armor All to the bed. Time. Well, it's obvious that he doesn't do that because on Mustafar in Rogue One, what is he in the back to tank right. with no clothes on? And, so it's you know, obvious yeah. he takes a shower every now and again. Well, he also <laughs> takes his limbs off. His limbs weren't even attached. Right. So I, was he floating in the tank? More or less. Or? Well, he was on a harness that he was hanging from, so gravity was holding him down. But, you know, he was, I'm sure he was somewhat buoyant, you know, and that yes. he would feel. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> and, well, and I think that Bacta is a little thicker than water. It's, it, there is a vis, kind of a viscosity to right, it. Right, because it's got healing stuff in it. Yeah, I don't know if you would say it's more like syrup or more like Ugh. just just a slightly thicker than water, or, you know, like a thin oil perhaps. Um, but hopefully it's tastier. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you'd want to, if you'd want to taste that. But also another uh, important place is Cloud City, mm -hmm. and that's in Bespin. 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 See, I'm, I won't. I haven't said that right yet. So it's in Bespin. <laughs> I know this is where Lando and and um, Han reunite. Yes. This is where um, Han is put in carbonite, and where Vader finds everybody, tells Luke he's his father, and then promptly cuts off. Oh no. He cuts off his hand, then, then tells, tells him it. it's he's his. Father. That's right. I'm gonna punish you. Then I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna, what I'm about. Let me take your hand off and then tell you that I'm your dad. Yeah, you're that's not a, my dad. That's a positive. So you cut my thing. hand off. You're mean. But this but, is an important place, and oh, this definitely. is this is somewhere. It, ice cream is made there too, apparently. Yes. So th this is an important place that George felt. The need to make a planet, the well, need yeah. to tell us about this kind of a little bit of history on this, you know what I mean, on this planet. Well, yeah, it, it, well, there's so much about the 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 movie lore history of it, and the and the and the in the in terms of the appearance and the the historical lore, if you will, like. I mean, it's a place in the clouds, and it has a very Flash Gordon feel to me. Right. If you if you know if you watch Flash Gordon, um, of course that's 1930s, 1940s serials because this is straight out of the 1930s and 1940s. It has a very Art Deco kind of look to right. it a, a little bit. Yeah, and you're exactly right. You know, Even and, with the, what they're wearing. And but all the colors that they had when they were going into it, it was very sunset, very dark. It wasn't a very bright place. Also. Um, the music that was playing in the background while the Millennium Falcon was approaching Bespin was this kind of siren song, you know. And and and, and what happens when the sirens sing? You don't want to be attracted to them because then they'll you know get you and you know eat you or whatever it is that sirens right, do. Right, right. You know, this is straight out of the Odyssey by Homer. Um, when uh, Theseus and his buds on on the Argo, which is the ship that they lived on, um, you know, had to. Uh, navigate around these islands and the sirens live there and they're like you know they want to they would they would call the sailors and then trap them and kill them and do whatever they do to them this is straight up saturday matinee george watching oh, yeah. oh definitely <laughs> definitely and it, it, to me it's the most you know it's interesting it, it, to me it feels most like the 1930 serials of like particularly the ot um you know, because the first Star Wars movie, uh, New Hope, that was the Hidden Fortress, you know, which is, that's Kurosawa. That's, so it's a completely different feel. Then the second movie has this, a lot of these these tropes from, from the, the serials. And then Return of the Jedi was more of a, I don't know, I'm not sure how to put it, but it has, it has a slightly different feel as well. Right, almost a... Almost like a um, a sense of loss, but also a sense of hope. Well, it's also, you know, you know that's, that's the great victory, you know. And the general feel that I got from Return of the Jedi was that it was a little more upbeat and a little more fun, even though there was a lot of heavy things going on. Right, right. Um, but I still felt like there was a almost a 
it 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 there's no visual connection but i I get a very wizard of oz kind of feel with return of the jedi to to a degree yeah and it's not like i said it's not nothing that's visually connected or anything it's just a feeling i guess just a feeling yeah yeah you know when it when i saw it originally i i thought to myself is that it is is that the last one is that that it but you know the thing is i never realized there were books and comics and things that were attached to it at the time i did not realize that Hoth is another place that I think is really, really important. This is where a big loss happens, mm-hmm. and it's on an ice planet. Oh, yeah. And so it's a cold feeling. You know, the Jedi, I mean, the rebels are, are losing. It's, 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 to me, it's like, oh, my gosh, how is this happening? Mm-hmm. You know, these are the rebels. They're the heroes. But yet they're going down fast. Well, yeah, because, I mean, they're going up directly against the might of the Empire, and the Empire is still a galactic power. You know, and to, and to think that Vader's fleet, you know, um, I'm sure they only dispatched a small portion of the landing troops to you know take out the rebel base. You know, they took out what, you know, they said, well, we'll just use what we need to take them out. I'm sure that he probably could have. They didn't think they needed much. Well, it was five walkers and then some chicken walkers and some, you know, and, and, and all the troops associated with it. A couple of things about that, too, is what I was, I, I had asked my friend about is that how long did it take for them to get it off of the ship? Uh, how long did it take the walkers to come off of the, the main ships, the mm-hmm. destroyers, and come down to the planet? Well, it depends on what they use to actually uh, land the walkers. Um it took some time, so they well, had some time for the rebels. Had some time to, prepare. to load up. Everything. At, at least, well, they knew they were coming when they hit the system. Right. So that was long before they actually deployed the troops. So the, at, at least we're talking at least several hours, possibly even up to a day, because um, the actual landing operation probably took them a couple of hours. Um, and I mean, the only cannon vehicles that they have right now that actually act as walker transport devices. They look like Gazanti uh, uh, transports, and you know they have one walker each, and so it's like they would drop it off and then they would go off. Now I'm sure they have enough ships to do like just do one, you know, like one run and they're done. Yeah. You know, um, and plus whatever they needed for the chicken walkers and any other additional landing troops that weren't in the walkers themselves and so on. Yeah. You know, because I, I mean. It looked like, I mean, I'm sure that the operation was bigger than what we saw on film, but you mean not over a couple of thousand troops, and that's easy in it's, modern It's terms. almost like um, like what you would in Henry VIII's time. You know, they were going to battle, but this is going to be a couple months before we get there. Yeah. You know, because they have to take everything with them. So yeah, but in this case, like it's, yeah, but it's a little faster. It's a little faster. I would suggest that, like, you know, a ship going from orbit to Earth today you know like it was like an orion capsule or a dragon capsule you're talking it 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 takes about five or six hours maybe yeah so and and that's and but and it's just coasting right now these ships will be under power so they'll be you know under more control so it could probably take them even less time and they're shielded whereas the you know the our earthly vessels are not shielded like they are i'm sure they're gonna they're not gonna land right in front of the, the rebels they're going to land a little bit farther well, they away. have to land outside the energy field the, the defensive energy field right. and then they have to go walk through it because it's not a physical field it's just an energy barrier for like you know to protect against energy weapons but you can still walk through it but again here and again that you could tell that George used a little bit of Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon movie you know at the matinee because these are like Trojan horses well, in a sense. Yeah, like Trojan horses. Well, so that's yeah. kind of a cool well, thing. Well, yeah, you know, that's the thing. You know, when you're when you're putting together, you know, a story like this, you know, part of the thing that is that happens is like, how long does it take for the Millennium Falcon to go from here to here? As long as it takes the story to do it, you know. Yeah. So that's why you can go from Tatooine to Alderaan. Tatooine's in the Outer Rim. Alderaan is in the Core Worlds. In a normal galaxy, that's like. 35 40,000 light years. They had um, they had a jet what, what? I can't even think right. They now. Used, I mean they still had a you know a, a, a point Light five. speed. They, they used they were well, able to Well, they had a point 0.5 hyperdrive and with, with the Millennium Falcon had a point 0.5 hyperdrive, which means that it got there pretty quick. 
But, you know, if you do the math, and I've done the math, I actually wrote a paper on this in college, you know, it, you know, you're traveling thousands of light years in like 12 hours. Yeah, because they get there pretty fast. But like you said, yeah. they have to do as far as the movie goes. They yeah, because they don't, you know, because they just essentially explain it away and you just, oh, we'll be there when we get there. We'll be there in 20 minutes. Yeah, we'll get there when the next scene stops. <laughs> How about Jetta? Jet is awesome. Yes, it is the earliest architect. Now here, here and again, the the director and the story writer pick out a planet that has particular things, and they and I think in Rogue One you see the most talked about, uh, you know, planets, specific planets, and we're 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 going from these particular planets. Well, so I, that's kind of yeah. cool. Well, I mean, I mean, Jetta has two things. And the the movie story needed was that was the connection to the force because none of the hero characters had the force that you know? we know of. Well, they certainly weren't Jedi, and then and they weren't operationally using the force. And and Jedi was a place where force users went. Right, and it, that's what it's saying. It's the architect known. It, it's the earliest architect known. In, in existence in the galaxy it's a spiritual and faithful place for people to come um, to search for answers and truth yeah. because I think even though the Empire got rid of all the Jedi they were still kids yeah. being born with it well yeah there's still going to be people born with the force no matter how many you know, how, you know like yeah the Jedi are destroyed effect, you know, effectively but you know, force-sensitive children will continue to be born throughout the galaxy, and some of them won't know that they even have this power. They won't realize what it is. Oh no! And that maybe that's why they go to Jeddah looking for answers. Well, some do, yeah, I'm sure. Yes, we know that the planet was cleaned out of um, kyber crystals, right? And then all, and then after that, just part of it destroyed as an experiment, but part of it destroyed. Well, yeah, yeah, and and and. You know, and, and the last guardians of the Force, you know, which were the guardians of the Wills, which is a nice callback to the original novelization of Star Wars. Yeah. Because the Journal of the Wills is mentioned in the first novelization of Star Wars, 1976. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's actually in the introduction. That's, that's cool that they put that in there because then it tells you that some of the books that were out they're using references to make them in. Oh, definitely, definitely. That's what's so cool about it, you know. And what I liked about particularly the holy city of Jeddah, uh, Jeddah City, um, for those of you who are interested in, in, you know, real world history, if you go to Israel, um, there's a place called Masada. And Masada was a um, fortress on a mesa, much like Jeddah was, and uh, it's where a re uh, rebellious group of Jewish people were holding out against the Roman Empire, because there was a lot of rebellion in the er, right at the right around the time of Jesus in yeah. you know, the first century um, uh, A.D. and um, or should say common era now. They say common era. They, but um but you but you know what I kinda get what you're saying because you know in the in the movie you see the the somewhat Masada uh -huh. kind of temple. But here and again he's using some references from history history and Roman times. The person who wrote Rogue One. Yeah. Which is which is cool. I, I like the way that kind of is intertwined. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. How about Edu? It is interesting. Yes, it's a planet that has the secret laboratory. Mm -hmm. It is where the empire. This is where Galen Arso and his team unlock the secrets of the Kyber crystal. Yeah, which is, I I didn't really realize that the crystals had secrets in them, but apparently they do. And they also are doing some mining there, and that that is a place where, or is it? No, never mind. That's Scarif. I'm getting ahead of myself. So. <laughs> So Edu is a place where they, they, it's like a secret laboratory. Yeah. But it's raining there, you know. It's, well, yeah, that's the weather, you know. Right, that's the and local it's, there. it's like a dark place. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, that's, you know, helped us. I mean, it's, 
to help establish the mood of that area. Yes, and very it's, dark it's, it, and dreary. And, and, and also dark and secret, you know, because it's... Because the whole Death Star project was compl- was essentially what they would call a black project, and that, which means that the greater public doesn't know it exists at all. Right, and I think that was actually created on Geonosis. That plan, the plans for it. Well, yeah, the original plans were designed by a guy, whoever that was, possibly the Geonosians themselves, and they were tech people. Right, and then you know our buddy Count Dooku got them. To and then he got him and he brought brought him to his buddy Darcidius. Yes. And then that's okay. Now we have the Death Star plans, and and of course it took him a whole movie to uh, put them together. Yes, exactly. How about Scarif? Scarif is like that tropical planet that is. It's got a very bad secret. It looks like an, a mirage out there in the desert. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this beautiful place. But yet, it holds a dark secret. It's it holds the citadel that has all of the information from the empire. Well, yeah, it's pretty much everything, and it has all of the the engineering and technical uh, schematics from the you know the the Death Star project and everything else. Right, right, and you know, got to I guess they got to house it somewhere. Yes, I guess that's where they decided now, to do it. This is the planet that has the dense metals valuable in starship construction, so, almost like rare earth. Well, it could be, could be. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know exactly what durasteel is made from. I mean, it it may have iron, you know, like regular steel does, but durasteel might have other elements to make it alloy, like what yeah. we use, you know, because the steel in your car, for example, is not just straight iron. It's got chromium and it's got vanadium. It's got, you know, it's got a bunch of different stuff. A lot stuff of different in it. things in the from um, the table. One other, um, um, well, there's. Uh, another planet that I wouldn't mind adding to this list, in which would be Yavin Four. Yes, the home of the Rebel base. Um, you know, we see it in Rogue One and in Episode Four, and um, uh, which is, and they're you know developed from the Guatemalan temples down in Central America, but um, Yavin Four, the the origins of Yavin Four in Star Wars lore, is that. Um, they were created by a race called the Masasi, and the Masasi were controlled by the Sith. Oh wow! So those, those a lot of those buildings that you know that the rebellion was being housed in were actually old Sith temples. So what happened? Well, we know what happened to the Sith, but what happened to the people? The Masa, the well, Masasi. Well, this was you know uh, millennia in oh, the past. Okay. So yeah, they, they were killed I, off by the smallpox. Or whatever, you know, they just died out. They got bored and left, or you know, who knows what happened. But you know, most of the um, the Sith-related races were either killed off or, or you know, died out. Yes. And um, so, I mean, we're talking thousands of years. Um, a gentleman by the name of Exar Khan um, actually had his tomb there. Wow. And in the EU legends. Um, uh, it, it, it was uh, developed in Kevin J. Anderson's um, uh, Jedi Academy trilogy that he did. You know, because Luke wanted, well, this is in the EU stuff now, but um, Luke wanted to make a, you know, a new Jedi temple. You know, I was like, well, where am I going to put it? You know, well, you put it back on Coruscant. You can put it here. You can put it here. Well, can I have Yavin 4? And the, and the New Republic government's like, yeah, sure, we're not using it. So Luke puts it there. So he starts his Jedi temple there. And of course, it's again, we, we're we back at where we were in the starting point. Mm-hmm. Coruscant has the Jedi decide to build the temple on a Sith shrine. Right. And what does Luke do? Same thing. Same exact thing. Yeah. And, and I don't know if he knew that going into it, you know, because it's not like it's written on the wall like this was just to be a Sith temple, you know. Uh, I mean, they learned definitely for sure later because the spirit of Exar Khan awoke and he actually possessed one of the students and bad things happened. And Jeez Louise. You got to read the books. They don't learn. Learn. What is it? History repeating itself. Well, that's why you try <laughs> to remember it and, you know, maybe it will And won't. don't do it again. <laughs> yeah, it would be good. But also, go back to Scarif. Okay. You know, Tarkin knew that Krennic was on that planet. And he needed well, yeah, to, I think he he needed to take him out. 
because this guy was interfering with his ultimate goal. Well, yeah, which was essentially, you know, the the Death Star project really was Tarkin's and, politically speaking. And the he was third in line, and he wanted nothing else to mess with that. Yeah, and then essentially he had the jibe, the the largest sniper rifle in the universe. Which, exactly. And 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 you know, and but like, twenty minutes later, it's gone. Well, you know, well. Maybe a day. Maybe a day. <laughs> if you will. If I mean, the will. paint was still pretty new. That's yes, for sure. yes, they were. They were. Uh, and that's not what's prepared. interesting, because um, you because know, that's where you get connections. You know, between you know, of course, Rogue One and that, and in the novelization, you got you got Krennic looking up, seeing the Death Star, basically staring him in the face, going, "Oh God, he's going to use it on me." <laughs> this <laughs> <You know>? is <laughs> it. Did I get all my stuff in order? Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, um, but what's interesting is that the um, the second Battlefront novel, where where Iden Versio is featured, um, she's on that. She's on the Death Star. Wow! And um, and uh, her squadron gets sent out to go fight. You know, as they do. So she gets taken out. No. Oh, she leaves before that happens. Well, basically, what happens is that she's out in space fighting in her fighter. Right, and then the Death Star blows up, and of course that you know has an effect, and she actually her fighter gets hit, and she actually has to she, well, spoilers for those who have not read Battlefront Two, um, sorry, um, <laughs> if you haven't read it by now, you're in trouble. Um, you better read it too; it's good. Um, and then she's forced to land on Yavin Four. Of course, the Rebel base is still technically there at the moment, so she has to basically kind of like sneak her way and fight her way out and she stole a shuttle and actually was able to escape yeah because they it, it, it took out a small you know it could have been like two three miles but not the whole planet and the whole planet could have had other things in other places well yeah like i said the, the yavin 4 was not hurt yet so right so it, not until later you know and then, yeah so, it, so so the rebels had a chance to escape and so on and so on yes so, you know it's really good but it, that's pretty interesting thank you for that jim mm -hmm. well that's going to do it for us today at uh radio geonosis please follow us on facebook at radio geonosis 2.0 please follow us and like and subscribe on youtube at radio geonosis we also have a um a little bit on itunes i have a few shows on there and Jim's going to be working on a Twitter page for us. I am? Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. That's right. I am. <laughs> that's on the back burner. I am going to be at Comic-Con this coming week. I'm going to try and have some interviews down um, and get some get some stuff. And then Jim and I will be back the following week. Okay. So from us here at Radiogenosis, we'll see you next time. May the force of others be with you. Goodbye.